calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Every five minutes, someone dies while waiting for a compatible donor heart, liver, or kidney. On a remote island in Lake Superior, a team of geneticists strive to engineer an animal with human-compatible organs, thereby saving millions of lives. But these ancestors are not the docile herd animals they envision. Instead, the project spawns something big, something evil, something hungry. Ancestor by number one New York Times bestselling novelist Scott Sigler is available for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome, friend. Follow me. We're going somewhere dark, somewhere dangerous. Most people would never dare enter the place we are going. There's no telling what horrors we'll find, what terrors we'll uncover. Don't say I didn't warn you. We might discover terrible monsters lurking there. Be careful, they could follow you out. Or maybe they're already inside you. Are you afraid? Good. Now you are ready to enter the Warning Woods. Lena Grau had been trying to convince her parents to let her sleep over at a friend's house for nearly two years. They always told her she wouldn't have as much fun as she thought, that she would be homesick. But Lena didn't believe them, of course. At 10 years old, she couldn't imagine anything more fun than camping out in a friend's room, eating snacks and whispering secrets to each other well past bedtime. By the time she turned 11, most of her friends had slept over at each other's houses at least once. Some of them had standing invitations to do so every weekend. Lena's jealousy grew, and so did her frustration. She finally told her parents she wanted to try even if she did get homesick, as unlikely as that was. She couldn't imagine longing for her family's old trailer home while staying in one of her friend's big houses. Her parents had looked at each other uncomfortably, and Lena understood there was more to their hesitance than concerns about her homesickness. Lena, we just don't know your friend's parents that well, her dad had told her. Why don't you have someone over here, her mom offered. Who would want to come spend the night in a dumpy trailer, Lena retorted. Lena, this is our home, her mom scolded. Who says there's anything wrong with our trailer? Her dad asked. Lena adopted her most incendiary tone and said, I do. Her parents withheld the venom boiling behind their lips, not wanting to give in to the turmoil their daughter was trying to create. They both had to work hard to scrape together enough to pay for their humble home, and to be told it wasn't good enough by their ungrateful child stung. The smarting wound was made worse by reality. Dumpy, wasn't an unfair description of their trailer. Finally, after the tension had built so long it threatened to explode, Lena's dad said, 
We're not comfortable sending you to the house of a stranger for a whole night. That's it. With the truth revealed, Lena started begging her parents to meet some of her friends' moms and dads. It seemed simple to her. Her parents had agreed to try and make some connections, but never actually made the effort. Eventually, Lena decided she had to take matters into her own hands. Her 12th birthday provided the perfect opportunity. She asked her parents if she could have a party and invite all of her friends. Not to the trailer, obviously. But there were a couple of parks with shelters available for that sort of thing. Her parents couldn't see why not and agreed to organize the party. Unbeknownst to them, they had just approved step one of Lena's plan to introduce them to her friend's parents and remove the final barrier to a sleepover. Lena's 12th birthday happened to fall on a Saturday that year, so she got to have the party on the same day. Even better, nearly all of her friends were able to come. Unfortunately, their parents all pulled into the parking lot, dropped their kids off, and pulled right back out. Lena's parents didn't interact with them at all beyond friendly waves through their windshields. Lena's heart sank and she could barely enjoy the party. But a van pulled up ten minutes late, and Lena's friend Haley Cornwell got out. Haley wasn't necessarily the first friend Lena would have picked for a sleepover, but she felt overjoyed when she heard the van turn off and the driver's door open. Haley's dad, a tall, thin man with short, dark hair that swooped to one side, got out of the van and waved to Lena's parents with a broad smile. Haley ran up to Lena, and Lena pretended to converse with her while eavesdropping on their parents. "'Hey, I'm Todd,' Haley's dad said as he shook Lena's dad's hand. "'Nice to meet you, Todd. I'm Brian, and this is my wife, Vera.' "'Lena's parents, I assume?' Todd Cornwell asked. Lena's parents nodded. "'Well, it's great to meet you.' Haley talks about Lena all the time. Sorry to dash off, but I've got to start cutting the cake, Vera said. Brian kissed her forehead, and she left the dads to themselves. I hope you don't mind if I stick around, Todd said in a lower voice than before. Of course not, Brian affirmed. It's just, with everything, you know. Are you implying that I could be? No, no, not at all, Todd said, and both men laughed. I mean... Thank God little girls seem to be safe. Thank God, Brian repeated. Just can't be too careful these days, Todd said. Brian grunted in agreement. Lena couldn't hold off being dragged into her friend's games any longer, but she felt confident hers and Haley's dads were getting along fine. She didn't know what they were talking about with little girls being safe and all that, but they seemed to like each other. Todd Cornwell stayed through the whole party, and Haley was Lena's last friend to leave. Hey, Dad, can Lena stay over tonight? Haley asked Todd in front of the whole Grau family. Todd shrugged and said, Yeah, sure, as long as it's okay with her parents. At this, he looked up at Brian and Vera, who looked as if they had just been told the sky was falling. Todd opened his mouth to say something to Haley, but before he could, Brian quickly injected, We'll talk about it on the way home. Could I get your number? The dads exchanged numbers, and the families went their separate ways. The Grouse had a tense drive home. From Lena's perspective, all the boxes had been checked. Her parents had met her friend's dad, and they had gotten along great. There shouldn't have been anything else preventing her from spending the night at Haley's house. He seemed to like me, Brian said to Vera. Like, he really liked me, know what I mean? Oh, stop it, Vera chided and smacked his shoulder. Brian laughed. I'm just saying... He's married, Brian. He has a child. 
You're right, what an excellent cover, Brian said, still laughing. Will you stop joking around and tell me if I can sleep over at Haley's or not? Lena demanded. You're right, that was a fun party. You're welcome, by the way, Vera mocked. Yes, yes, it was lots of fun, thank you. But for real, can I go? Brian and Vera looked at each other for an excruciating moment. They seemed to be transferring messages back and forth through their eyes like aliens. Finally, Brian exhaled loudly and said, I suppose we could give it a try. The words had barely left his tongue before Lena started cheering, Thank you, thank you, Daddy, thank you. To Vera, Brian said, I'll give them a call when we get home and make the arrangements, if they're still open to having her. Both of Lena's parents went along to drop her off at the Cornwells that evening. Vera wanted to meet Mrs. Cornwell too, just to be thorough. They went after dinner so that Lena wouldn't have to be fed. When they arrived at the Cornwell's pleasant suburban home, Haley's eyes widened with joyful anticipation. Their house is so nice, she gasped. Her parents quietly simmered. Marissa Cornwell opened the door for them. She was a short but stunning woman with silky black hair and warm eyes. She invited them in with a wide smile, and Vera nudged Brian when she saw he bore an abnormally large smile himself. He blushed and lowered his head slightly as they entered the home. Haley ran around a corner and embraced Lena. They all heard ascending footsteps from somewhere deep in the house, and a moment later, Todd appeared, grinning. He shot his right hand out to shake Brian's and gestured for everyone to move to the living room with his left. The adults talked and laughed for over an hour while the girls went off to Haley's room and began their festivities. Before she knew it, Lena's parents were knocking on the bedroom door to say goodbye. We'll come get you around eight, okay, kiddo? Brian asked. Got it, Dad. See you tomorrow. Brian lingered in the doorway for a moment, looking uncomfortable. Lena had turned her back, but could still feel his eyes on her. She gave him a few seconds before turning around and saying, Bye, Dad. You can go now. Brian exhaled through his nose and dropped his head. All right. Have fun. And with that, Brian and Vera Grau left their daughter alone with the Cornwells. The rest of the night went as sleepovers do. Plenty of laughs were had, a few of them at Mr. and Mrs. Cornwell's expense. The girls ate snacks and drank soda Mrs. Cornwell kept stocked specifically for sleepovers, and at the end of the night, they got into their sleeping bags in the living room, put on a movie they had both seen a dozen times before, and slowly drifted off to sleep. Lena woke up a couple of hours later. She didn't know what time it was because when she opened her eyes to search for a clock, the bright TV screen forced her to shut them again. A trailer for another movie was auto-playing, and Lena assumed that was what had woken her up. She reached around blindly for the remote so she could shut off the TV and get back to sleep. She finally found it next to Haley and slid it close to herself. She was about to force her eyes open just long enough to find the power button when she heard a door creak open nearby. Lena froze. She didn't know why, she wasn't doing anything wrong, but her whole body locked up and she dared not open her eyes. The door squealed as it was shut again, but it didn't latch. Lena heard footsteps softly padding down the stairs, which she remembered were behind a door between the living room and kitchen. It's just one of Haley's parents, she thought. They probably just forgot something down there earlier. Once the footsteps ceased, Lena turned away from the TV and opened her eyes to look at the remote. 
With the power button under her thumb, she turned back and pointed it at the TV. Just then, footsteps came running up the stairs, pounding heavily this time. Lena panicked and dropped the remote onto her chest, then went limp and pretended to be asleep again. The footsteps stopped halfway up the stairs, then started back down, softly again. Lena stayed still for almost five minutes. That's how long it took for her heart to slow back down. Finally, she convinced herself to grab the remote, find the power button from memory, and finally shut the TV off. She wished she hadn't. As soon as the TV's light was gone and the sounds of the looping movie trailer were silenced, the house became a still, dark trap. Lena could hear Haley lightly snoring beside her as well as her own short, quick breaths. Her heartbeat started to quicken again. She wondered if the feeling she was experiencing was homesickness. She had never felt it before and hadn't expected it to be so akin to fear. Then another faint sound joined the whispers of breath. Lena was pretty sure it came from the basement. It sounded like a thick, dry twig snapping. She held her breath to keep listening. The sound came again. Yes, it sounded like a cracking stick. It came a third time, and this time it was accompanied by a low, muffled grunt. Again and again, the snapping noise split the air and the grunts grew more intense, more pained with each one. If Lena had been given a cell phone, she would have called her parents right then and there. She didn't care how late it was or how much apologizing she would have to do the next day. She didn't care that it probably would have meant she wouldn't be going on any more sleepovers for a long time. She didn't care, because in that moment, she didn't want to sleep anywhere but her own house in her own bed ever again. The cracking sounds finally stopped and the grunts along with them. Lena slid as far as she could into her sleeping bag and feigned sleep again as she heard the footsteps coming back up the stairs. She dared to crack one eye open to peek at the door as it creaked open. Todd Cornwell emerged from the basement panting and completely naked. He had something, maybe a towel or a robe, in one hand. Lena felt her hands trembling and feared they would make sounds against the sheer fabric of her sleeping bag. Mr. Cornwell stood there at the top of the stairs for a long time. He was facing the sleeping girls, but Lena couldn't tell if he was actually looking at them in the dark. Most of his face was shrouded in shadows. He continued to pant, although the breaths eventually grew longer and deeper. He appeared to relax and opened the thing in his hand. It was a robe after all. As he donned the robe, he turned his back to the living room and Lena saw with horror what all the noise had been. Todd Cornwell had long, bloody gashes all over his back in an erratic, patternless array. His entire back appeared to be smeared with blood, although it was difficult to really tell in the dark. Lena only saw the gory mess for a brief moment before Todd slipped the robe over his back, wincing as he did, and walked away to go upstairs. Lena told herself she would not fall asleep again that night, but she startled herself awake around seven and was shocked to see sunlight cutting through the living room curtains. Hey, good morning, Lena, Todd Cornwell said cheerfully as he peeked around the wall from the kitchen. Lena looked back with wide eyes but quickly regained her composure and forced herself to smile back at him. Haley lay next to her, rubbing her eyes. Who turned off the TV? she asked drowsily. I did, Lena whispered, 
She was careful not to let Todd hear as she said, I woke up after the movie ended. I made you girls some pancakes, Todd sang from the kitchen. Vera came downstairs wearing the same robe Lena had seen Todd put on in the middle of the night. Lena winced. Either Todd had washed the robe in the middle of the night without making any sound, or Vera currently had her husband's dried blood rubbing all over her skin. Todd himself seemed completely normal. If his lacerations bothered him, he didn't show it at all. The girls got up and dressed, then joined Mr. and Mrs. Cornwell for pancakes before Brian came to pick up Lena. Why don't you stay a while, Todd offered to Brian. You eaten yet? We've got some pancakes and a little bacon left over. Unfortunately, I have, Brian said, and we've got to go get ready for church this morning. Maybe next time. Lena almost choked on her orange juice. How was she going to tell her dad that under no circumstances could there be a next time without freaking him out? The girls gave each other a lazy hug before Lena got in her dad's car to head home. She didn't talk much, only answering his questions with single words or grunts. Brian blamed the lack of proper sleep for her resistance to conversation. Once they were home, Lena barely had time to change before it was time to head right back out for church. She spaced off frequently during the service, sometimes because she was tired, and others because her mind returned to that dark living room and Todd Cornwell's naked, bleeding body. She was relieved when the pastor issued the final prayer and bid them all have a great week. Ready to go? Brian asked, rubbing Lena's back and snapping her into the present. So ready, she replied. Hey, did you tell Mr. Cornwell I like to work on cars or something? Brian asked. Lena looked up at him, perplexed. Hmm, guess not. I wonder why... He's just texted me asking if I can come look at their car. He says it's making a funny noise when it starts. I don't really know enough to be helpful, I don't think. I wonder why he's asking me of all people. Lena wanted to say a hundred things at once. Because he's insane. Because he wants us back at that house. Because he's a lunatic. Because he wants to do something terrible. Because he wants to trap us. When Lena said nothing aloud, Brian shrugged and said, Well, I'll tell him I can come by this afternoon, but I don't know what- No, Lena shouted more harshly than necessary. Brian and Vera startled and looked at her wide-eyed. They looked apprehensively at the other families gathering their things to leave. They received a few disapproving glances in return. Uh, come on, why don't you follow us to the car, Brian said. They started walking across the parking lot, and Brian asked in a hushed tone, Did something happen last night, Lena? Did Mr. Cornwell do something he shouldn't have? Lena took a while to answer. It was the way her dad had phrased the question that hung her up. No, she finally said. You just seemed really tense when I picked you up, and now that little outburst when I mentioned him. You know you won't get in trouble if you tell us, right? Asked Vera. Would they even believe her if she told them? She had seen it with her own eyes, and it was still difficult for her to believe. I know, she said. Thanks, Mom. Lena got out of her stuffy church clothes and fell right onto her bed when she got home. She hadn't intended to fall asleep, but that's what happened. It felt like she had blinked and the light in the room changed. She looked at her alarm clock and saw she had been out for almost three hours. She rubbed her eyes and walked out into the kitchen. She found her mom preparing a roast while humming along to Hosier. Her dad was nowhere in sight. Where'd dad go? Lena asked. Vera Grau shook her head in mock disdain and smiled at her daughter. Well, your dad thinks he's a mechanic now and ran off to help his new friend fix a car. Mr. Cornwell? Lena asked. 
Yep, I went ahead and offered for Mrs. Cornwell and Haley to come over here while the men break the car even worse than it- Mom, no! Lena shouted the same way she had at church. Lena! Vera scolded. I know you're ashamed of this house, but it's our- It's not that, Mom, I swear. Dad can't be alone with Mr. Cornwell, okay? He just can't. What has gotten into you, child? Vera asked. Are you sure everything went okay last night? Lena couldn't take it anymore. She didn't care if her mom believed her or not. Her dad was in serious danger. She knew it in her gut. She told her mom everything that had happened during the night, from hearing the sounds to seeing Todd Cornwell sneak back upstairs with his wife's robe. By the end of her story, Vera had gone pale. Go get in the car, please, she said. But I thought dad took it. Damn it. Oh, damn it, Vera yelled. She pounded the counter with a fist, making Lena jump. I need to call him. Where's my phone? Where's my... Here it is. Lena handed Vera her phone just as the doorbell rang. Vera held the phone up to her ear and opened the door. Marissa and Haley Cornwell were on the other side. They were smiling until they saw Vera's gaunt expression. What's wrong, dear? Marissa asked. Oh, damn it, he didn't answer, Vera mumbled. Listen, I don't know how to explain this. Oh, God, how do I tell you? She paused for a moment as she looked into Marissa's shifting nervous eyes. I need you to take me back to your house, Vera finally said. I can't explain why right now, but I really need to see my husband. Oh, okay. Marissa put a hand on Haley's shoulder and directed her back toward the car. We can leave right now if you want. Great. Lena, stay put and don't open the door until I get home. Got it? No, Mom, I'm coming with, Lena argued. I don't want to stay here by myself. Vera didn't have time to argue. Her mind was flashing article after article about missing men who had simply vanished from their ordinary lives. She replayed the hideous details about the horrific conditions their bodies had been found in. She tried desperately to stop seeing her husband's face on each of those mangled corpses, but the images kept on rolling through. Fine, get in, she said. The four of them piled into the Cornwall's second car and got on the road. Marissa tried to pry into what exactly they were doing, but Vera withheld everything. She said she would explain after she saw her husband. They turned onto the Cornwall street, and Lena saw their car parked in front of the Cornwall's house. Well, that's odd, Marissa said, focusing on something up ahead. I figured they'd be working in the garage. The garage door was down. Lena's heart beat faster and her palms became slick. They pulled into the driveway and Marissa shut off the car. She was about to get out when Lena lunged forward from the back seat and pressed the garage door opener attached to the visor above Marissa's head. Lena, Vera scolded. But as the garage door raised, all four of them held their breath. They saw tires and two feet. As the door lifted further, they saw the car's rear bumper and a second pair of feet suspended in the air. What the... Marissa choked. Before the garage door had lifted completely, Todd Cornwell let go of the cord he had been pulling on. It was the cord to the suspended LED light attached to the ceiling of the garage. He had wrapped the other end of the cord around Brian's throat and yanked on it hard enough to lift him off the ground. As Todd released the cord, Brian fell to the garage floor, limp. What are you doing? Marissa screamed as she jumped out of the car. Haley started crying. Vera was struggling to get out and dial 911 at the same time. Todd Cornwell shoved his wife as he ran out of the garage. She fell next to Brian. Todd ran down the street and disappeared around the corner.
Brian was taken to the hospital where he remains in a coma. He was barely alive when the paramedics arrived, and they said if he had been suspended for even a few seconds longer, he would have been gone forever. A detective stopped by the hospital late that night to talk to Lena and Vera. Our people just picked him up, he said. Todd Cornwell is sitting in jail right now. We're building the case against him so we can charge him properly. For everything. We took a lot of DNA evidence from the other crime scenes, so we're just waiting on the matches to be confirmed. You think they'll all match? Vera asked. Oh yeah, this guy fits the bill in every way. He's an average guy struggling with his sexuality. He punishes himself and the men he's attracted to in the most brutal ways imaginable. You should see his... The detective trailed off with a sideways glance at Lena. I saw it, she told him. I saw his back. The detective looked astonished and shook his head. I'm sorry you're going through this, he said. But good job following your gut. This maniac's been haunting this town for months, but he's done now. That's my promise to you. He's done. A funny thought struck Lena, and despite everything, she couldn't help but smile. She hid the grin from her mom and the detective because she felt ashamed of it. She made sure to save the thought for when her dad woke up. He would probably get a good laugh from it too. Her dad appreciated irony. And wasn't it ironic that all of the parents Brian and Vera hadn't met would have probably been perfectly safe, but the dad they finally got acquainted with and trusted had been a brutal murderer? A memory suddenly flashed back into Lena's mind. A memory from her birthday party. Todd Cornwell had said, I mean, thank God little girls seem to be safe. Thank God, Brian had repeated. And in the present, Lena echoed this sentiment. Although, it was hard to thank God while looking at her dad's pale, expressionless face. He had to wake up. And once he did, then she would thank God. Well, thank you both for your time, the detective said, standing up. Take care of our star witness. We might need him to put this guy away for good. We will, Vera said. Mostly to Lena, she said. He'll be awake soon. I know it. You made it out. Congratulations. If you enjoyed the story, please rate and review this podcast wherever you like to listen. Reviews are the best way to support the podcast and help it grow. You can also become a patron at patreon.com slash thewarningwoods. If you want more creepy content, including the images that accompany each story, follow me on Instagram at thewarningwoods. If you feel ready, meet me here next week for another journey into the warning woods. Thank you for listening. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues, and it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. 
You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.